TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to Careers Unplugged, the weekly show connecting you to secrets of career success. Careers Unplugged is hosted by Rich Sayer and Stu Hayes and proudly sponsored by the Master of Me coaching program. If you feel being happy and committed and passionate about your career is important, you're in the right place. My name is Rich Sayer and I'm here with the fabulous co-founder of Careers Unplugged, Make It Big Training and the Master of Me coaching program, Stuart Hayes. Stewie, good morning. How's your day? Fantastic, Rich. It's great to be here and we have a fantastic episode today. So our special guest today is one of Australia's best known comic entertainers. He's a winner of a Mo Award for Stand-Up Comedian of the Year, writer of a gold medal winning documentary, No Laughing Matter, at the New York Film Festival. This is a guy who currently performs over 200 shows a year and is a legend all in uppercase, of the Australian comedy industry. Vince Sorrenti, thanks for being on the show. Wow, what an intro. That it's, sounds pretty big. Who is you've this been like, busy. Sounds very important. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not one Mo Award, five. 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 Oh. There you oh go. <laughs> there you go. That was we're, we're curly, not Mo. <laughs> Mate, that is a, that is a, a, a massive drum roll of, of a career rap. Um, how did you get started? Um, or my career raps, first, can I just rewind a second, uh, uh, really aren't worth much in comedy. It, it's the same when you're being introduced as a comic. I, um, I always ask the MCs to just introduce me as Vince Sorrenti. Yep. People, don't wanna, people don't really care about what you've done in comedy. They don't care sort of like, uh, oh, he's won this and he did that and he's known for this. It's, you, you've got to be funny every time you go on stage. <laughs> And uh, the, the longer the intro, the worse the act, I always say. <laughs> but, mate, how did I get started? I, I, I fell into this. I, um, I was at Sydney Uni studying architecture, like, like many comics uh, was studying a profession. Yep. And I got involved in uh, university reviews, which are a great breeding ground, as you know, for mm-hmm. producing entertainers, all kinds of people in the entertainment industry, and it just gradually took over my life. I ended up finishing architecture, but um, I stuck with comedy. So before you got into comedy as a, you know, a career, as in one that actually paid you, uh, did you have any other jobs? No, I've never really done it. I mean, I had... Um, I used to have summer jobs. I mean, I was, uh, you know, I'd go and work on a pipe factory or an air conditioning plant or, uh, you know, a panel beating shop or whatever. I was always a, um, I was always an industrious little earner, if mm. you know what I mean. I always, uh, I, you know, I came from a pretty working class background, so um, most of my holidays actually were spent trying to, you know, scrape together a bit, bit of extra pocket money. Yeah. But my first real job was as a stand-up comic, believe it or not. That's... I've never done anything. I don't know if I'm good at anything else. <laughs> You're committed now. I'm committed. <laughs> That's quite exceptional, isn't it? I mean, uh, you know, most people at some point um, moving into the entertainment industry have, have had to make a leap um, from something else. You know, they might yeah. have started as an architect and then had a passion for comedy, done the stand-up circuit and then gradually got to a point where they could generate some cash? Would that be a fair? Well, I, I had to make that leap. I had to, um, I mean, look, I was in, architecture is six years, a full-time mm. study, and I started doing comedy in about year four. That's when the comedy store opened here in Sydney. Okay. And um, so that was a pretty big, I mean, I, I'd committed a lot of my life to becoming an architect, and um, it, it, it's kind of a, 
it's, it's a big jump to go from sort of having a, you know, an established profession where you, you know, you're going to have a job and an income and so forth to sort of, like, oh, well, no, I'm going to go out and make people laugh. My parents thought I was mad. <laughs> Everyone thought I was. But I was already earning reasonable bucks in comedy. It, it was an easy decision to make. It was mm. kind of, kind of uh, I, I wouldn't call it immediate success, but I was, uh, I was earning money like from the beginning if you know what i mean like it was uh, it, it was it was worthy mm. so it, there wasn't any resistance there you you just basically uh were well received and and it flowed you know i my, my first time on stage i um you know i was incredibly nervous obviously but i, I did get last and i remember rodney rude was uh was backstage he was the mc that night and he, he looked at the, at the expression on my face he said you really liked that didn't you i said yeah <laughs> he said you will be a comic for the rest of your life it, it's it, it it rings in my head every time i remember it it um it's it, it's uh it's very addictive mate if you like doing it stand-up comedy is not the kind of job you could do I say this to people all the time, you, you can't do this for money. Yep. If you didn't like doing it, you would not last very long at all, no matter how good the bucks were. You know, you, you've got to have some kind of real love for it and, and, and real hurt when it doesn't go well. <laughs> it, it's a very lonely place, stand-up comedy, mate. Like it's not yeah. – and particularly the kind of stand-up comedy that I do, it's, you know, I'm not getting dressed up as someone, and I, I'm not playing a musical instrument, uh, I can't blame the drummer, or I can't, uh, you know, if the audience doesn't like me, they don't like me. Yeah. You it, know, it's very personal. Yeah, mate. It lands, it lands on your shoulders. Afterwards and sort of like, uh, and distance yourself from yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Have you... Uh... You, you spoke about your parents there, so you know you were going to be an architect. Yep. You've you've headed in this direction. Were they supportive? Oh, oh, yeah, mate. Look, they were wonderful. They couldn't care whether I was you know collecting garbage off the streets. They thought it was strange mm. that I'd spend all mm. this time going to architecture school and uh, and I was now you know studying going on stages and coming home late at night. So, uh, but they they never they never batted an eyelid. They thought it was Kind of cool, I suppose. And do you want to pass sort of modernist architecture and look with loving eyes? <laughs> Let me say that you're a lot safer watching me on stage than sitting in one of my buildings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know what kind of architecture. Yeah, you'd rather see the audience fall over with laughter than have the building fall. <laughs> That's down. right. They have to dig them out. I, um, uh, architecture, I strongly believe, should be left to the extraordinarily gifted. There's a lot of crap architecture, and uh, architecture is something that's with us for sometimes hundreds of years. And uh, I believe it should be left to those who really know what they're doing. I'm uh, I'm really glad the path I took. Architecture is damn hard too. It's a difficult profession mm-hmm. to get started in. I mean, um, you know, they talk about young upstarts being 50 years old, and <laughs> you know, even after six years of sort of full time study at uni and two degrees, you, you know, you're back making tea and coffee and running down to the printer and getting some drawings printed up. It's it's a tough gig to get established in. Absolutely. And it's really volatile too. When it's when it's crap, it's really crap. Ch- change your direction slightly, Vince. Um, you mentioned that, you know, you sort of around fourth years when you sort of um, started to look at really going or getting a comedy career and saying maybe it's viable for me. Yeah. Um, what was the the goal that you put up? Did you have a goal at that stage or was it just sort of 
I'm going to immerse myself in this. Uh, comedy is a really strange thing to do, and I, I, I think that um, it's a strange profession to get involved in. You know, it's um, I, I'm kind of glad that I didn't go into it that seriously. It was a hobby. It was a hobby that became my job. You know, it was something that I that I would go off and do at night. For, you know, after a day at school and. Uh, and, and get a lot of satisfaction out of. Mm. I think if I treated it a little, I, I treated it as a joke. You know, excuse the pun, but <laughs> and, and I think that was the beauty of it. That's what kept me going. And I think if I'd taken it too seriously, if I'd stopped everything and said, "Right, I'm going to be a stand-up comic, and that's it." Mate, that would be a really – it's a heartbreak because every night is not, you know, raining pearls, mate. It's uh, Sometimes it's a really tough gig. And I think that if, if I said to myself, well, this is my life, this is what I'm going to do, I wouldn't have lasted too long. I had architecture. I had uni. You know, I had a lot of other interests and comedy was just one of them. Mm. And uh, that's the best way to treat it. I think when you go into it as a gig – it's it's really tough. It's really like um, it, it can break your heart. It so, can break your soul. Just I want to I want to interject on that. So a lot of people in the arts, and you know, I spent my time as a musician, and I've been involved in in the entertainment industry. Um, you know, uh, have 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 that approach. You know, it's their passion. They get into it, and it becomes their job it, by default. Uh, yeah. which is the the most lovely form of success, but. Is there some sort of mechanics, you know, like a you know a musician has to do the hours of practice to get the chops up, you know, yeah. comedians, you know, you're a funny guy, but do you have to work it. I'm sure. Do you do you have goals around creating new material or? Yes, you do. You do, but it, it's really important though to do something else as a comedian. You mm. cannot sit around in a room staring at your navel, mm. coming up with material. You've got to be engaged in society. You've got to be engaged in life. You've got to have, you know, other interests. You can't just, you know, you can't create material. You can't suck it out of the air, mate, through osmosis. You've got to, sort of, you've, got to you, you, you've got to relate to people. You've got to, you've got to be engaged in life to be able to talk about life, if, if that's your particular shtick, you know. Mm. But, Comics have different uh, different ways of coming up with material, but uh, so how, how do you approach the whole industry then? I mean, I I, uh, I think what you're saying actually has a lot of um, value to people in all industries, but I understand why it's so important in comedy. But how do you approach it? You've got to create new material. You've got to go out there and sell. You've got to find gigs um, at the same time as as not be doing it all the time. Is what I'm yeah. hearing. Yeah, that's that's also true. Well, that's a very good uh, analogy for um, for TV work as well, because I, I, I think success as a stand-up comic really depends on limiting your exposure on TV. I always say it's important to be on TV without being on TV. Mm. And if you look at my career, that's basically what it's all been about. People are constantly saying to me, "Oh, gee, you're not on TV as much as you used to be." Well, mate, I have never been on TV. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. I've, I've played this game where people think I'm a TV person, but I I have nothing to do with TV. Mm. TV is just some little advertisement I throw out every now and then to sort of let people know that I'm still drawing air. But mate, I I basically work and have worked my my entire career has been on stage you know mm-hmm. so I, I think you've got to um you've got to be engaged in, in that market I, i'm also i see myself as a as a little business person too you know like I, my office is pretty much me and my assistant you know like i send invoices and do the books and uh, i i find that business side keeps you kind of 
kind of on, on a parallel with life as well. You know, I, I do think you can take yourself too far up your own bum if you call yourself an artist <laughs> yep. you know, yep. as a comic. You know what I mean? You uh, can, I totally agree. Totally you, know, agree. You, you can sit in a room and you can have a few beers with your mates and think you're a genius, but, like, it's mm. you've got to be involved in life mm. if you're going to relate to people and talk to them. I mean, I, a lot of people I talk to are in small business, so it kind of helps that I'm in small business too, if you know what I mean. Mm. I just want to actually uh, come back to something you said earlier about not being on too much TV, and it's contrary to popular consensus where every kid wants to be on Big Brother or oh, or, or some sort of reality TV to become a pop star. But what, I, what I'm hearing from what you're saying is, is that something I, I heard years ago, people don't get sick of your face when you're on radio. <laughs> that, you know, on television, yeah. people get old and on television, people get tired of looking at you. Um, so you've got a limited, you know, amount of exposure. But on, you know, in in the format of entertaining you're doing, your audience is changing, and you're not sort of blanketing the exposure. And you're doing segments at a time. You're doing a room of a hundred, two hundred, five hundred people at a time. You're yeah. not hitting twenty million people in one go. Now yeah. the only sure thing about being on TV, mate, is that one day you will be axed. <laughs> that is the only yeah thing you can hang your hat on. It's, it is, and for young, and it's a real. It's been, it's been a prevalent danger now for, for for nearly a decade because there are no sort of like um, look, entertainment on TV has completely changed, mate. I mean, there, there's no variety on TV. There's there's no show on TV where uh, you know where you can regularly see someone perform in any sense apart from amateurs. You know, yeah. everyone is a TV star today, whether you are a gardener or a carpenter or a home renovator or a yeah. cook or, a, you know, someone a who chef. can't or can't sing or, you know, <laughs> can't do magic or comedy. I mean, entertainment, entertainers are no longer on TV, mate. Normal people are on TV. Entertainers are at home or in clubs or in, in, in ballrooms entertaining. Yeah. So how do, how do you measure your success? When you haven't got something tangible like, you know, oh, gee, I've got a TV show to talk about. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, look, uh, n- nothing wrong with having not, a not TV. Not to mention the five Mo Awards. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, look, Mo Awards, that's just, look, seriously, that's just someone's opinion. Look, the only way to measure success, mate, is, is, is by how well you're doing on stage. And you know, people remember what you people, people remind me of lines I said 25 years ago, mate. It's fantastic. You, know, you, you, you sit next to someone on a plane like, oh, mate, I saw you in 1987 and you said this and I haven't stopped laughing. I love all that, mate. I, I, I love the sort of um, – you kind of leave a trail, you know. You leave, a, you, you leave good memories. The stage is a wonderful place, mate. You know, like it, 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 it is – Stand-up comedy is a micro-living theatre, you know, and it it's ephemeral. It lives for a short time and then it dies. But while it's alive, it it resonates so powerfully. It, it's it, it's a wonderful way of, of of expressing yourself and communicating with people. It's um, it, it's a rare thing. It, it's not something that I can sort of like digitally bring up on a screen and say, oh, well, look here, here's what I said in you know 1994 at the uh, you know at the Boston Comedy. You, you can't bring it back. But it's there. And what's in the mind really is the most important thing. Mm. But legacy. There you go. That's the best way to sort of describe your impact, legacy. Do you, do you feel like a responsibility? So, you know, when someone engages you, 
a company engages you to be a you know comedian or MC at an event, is there a sense of responsibility that comes with that that you're responsible for giving them the laughs and 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 keeping everything flowing, or it's it's just you're just you know cracking yourself up and enjoying the gig. Oh, look, a bit of both, and um, you know. In- the big moral question we, often when you're doing these big corporate shows is whether you have a go at the people who are uh, who are employing you. Yeah, you know it's um, and you've got to you've got to walk a fine line sometimes. Like I, I, I think you do have to have a go. I think you you, you, you can't let the unsaid remain unsaid. unsaid. Yeah, you know, sometimes the the elephant in the room has to be lanced in, in the first light, and everyone can be a bit more comfortable <laughs> about it, if you know what I mean. It's, yeah. Uh, but then again, you know, you know, I'm not going to go out there and, and, and deliberately belittle them for just for my satisfaction. Mm. I'm like, I still have to make people laugh. Yep. And if everyone in that room has a different opinion to me, well, then uh, I might be the only one laughing. That I don't think I'll be laughing for very long. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you've you've come into this with with relative ease, and um, which is amazing. And oh, mate, it's never easy. You, you, you can't you can't get where I am. Easy. You, you can't be a stand-up comic. Easy. You, you, if if you haven't died many many times yep. on stage, mm-hmm. you will never be. You'll never be the person you want to be on stage. You, you absolutely need that. And I, I think in, in in the music profession, of course, from your background, oh, yeah. you, you know that mm. you, you've got to, in some context, pay your dues. And, and in comedy, it, it's. It's it's lonelier and more difficult than any other profession, I will argue, all day. Because it, it's it's very personal, mate. You've play, you played to empty rooms? Oh, mate, I've played to rooms of three. I've yep. played to an audience. Yeah. yeah. Can, we, can we expand that out a, a smidgen? I mean, I, I, uh, I think that what you do is remarkable to get up there and, uh, and the pressure of performance, um, you know, and hence... The Look, feeling love- of isolation and, and pain and hurt if, if it's not working. Um, but what about at a career level? Have there been sort of eras or chapters where you've just thought, my God, you know, am, am, I, am I doing the right thing anymore? Do I need to change direction? Um, thankfully not. And uh, oh, well, look, I've, ha- I've had moments where I've sort of I've changed direction. I, look, I spent a lot of time in the US, as you know. I, um, I had a TV show on MTV Network Back in 1989, I was living in New York. I was playing all the big clubs there. I was I was touring in the sort of northeast and even occasionally out to Los Angeles. And uh, I was being recognised in the street. I thought, how this, this is going really great. Mm. And uh, then the show got axed. Axed. <laughs> Inevitable. <laughs> As you said. <laughs> and um, I'm sitting in my apartment again thinking, what the hell am I doing here? And I thought, you know, I'll go back to Australia. Sometimes I think to myself, maybe I should have stayed over there and uh, stuck it out for a little longer. But uh, I thought, no, nah, look, I've got a pretty good life in Australia. I can I, I, I can make people laugh. I can tour. I can do my own thing. So uh, that's kind of a... Uh, that was a sobering moment. I thought, yeah, I thought oh, that that was a what the hell am I? What, what the hell do I think I'm doing? Kind of moment. Was Did someone help you in that? Like a, a mentor or a coach? That- no, no, mate. I've, I've, look, I've had a very singular career. I've had a. Um, I, I did have a manager of sorts in those days, and I mean of sorts. He was not very, uh, not very hands on. <laughs> I've led a very solitary um, career path. 
it's uh, it's been good for me. I've look, I've learned a lot about every aspect of the profession. I work, you know, from from agency to to management to sort of uh, you know to all sorts of manners of negotiation. I, I don't mind that part of it. I don't mind the show business, if you know what I mean. It's it's not called show art, as some wag once said. It's uh, it that's, is show business. That's cute. I'm going to remember that. Yeah. 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 I love that line. Yeah. It ain't show art. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that, that, that's held me in good stead. I, I, I've got a much more rounded. I think when you talk to me on the phone, you know that I'm not just talk. I'm not just a performer. I'm also the manager, the agent, the negotiator, the the invoice writer, the banker, the you know the accountant, everything. The IT guy. <laughs> so yeah, I've got a few issues with my Max. Actually, no, you can come and sort it out for me. But uh, no, no, so. You, Myself. You you mentioned, you know, being axed and, yeah. uh, you know, you, you go back to the, the, the apartment or hotel room after something like that and, 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 you know, it knocks you a bit. Would that be the darkest moment? Oh, I've had darker moments than that. I wrote a movie. I wrote in 1991. I wrote, uh, I, I, I wrote the winning movie in the Film Finance Corporation's annual chook raffle. I got funded for $3.5 million dollars. I wrote a movie about an architect who becomes a stand-up comic. It was basically like an autobiography. It was it, it was a brilliant script. It, it won the prize, so it must have been a good script if I can blow mm. my own horn there. Mm. And uh, I was completely left out of the movie. I would that that really broke my heart. It's one of the it's one of the toughest moments. One of the toughest years of my life. I um you know I, I probably employed two hundred people in the making and, and production of that film. Which turned out to it bombed in the end. It was just uh, they hired some poor guy to play well me virtually, mm. um, and the film just he didn't really have the I don't know if he really had the had the heart for it or had the insight into it, but uh, I thought that was an absolutely daft decision, and I you know that, that that's it's lingered in my mind for a long time. The movie was called Gino. It, 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 ah. it, it actually it won it won a um, I think it won a. Uh, Australian Film Award, didn't it? It did win an, an AFI just for, for something like set design or something like that. But, look, it never even got a general release. It got a very limited release and went straight to deep. It's a great shape. The script was, I thought, clever. Mm. I thought it had, a lot of, uh, it had a lot of empathy with it. Obviously, I had a lot of empathy with it. But yeah, that was, a, that was a very sad time in my life. And things that made bad stuff happens all the time. You know, like I'm not, I'm not Robinson Crusoe there, like... Mm. Uh, you know, like if you're in any kind of normal profession, things would go wrong too. It's uh, what, what about the like other a, side? You know, what about the highlights, the, the things that oh, really mate, resonate after highlights. all the years? That's a wonderful, mate. I go. Tina Turner flew me to her villa in the south of France for her 50th anniversary and showbiz party. Uh, wow! That was, oh, that was amazing, mate. In the audience was like. Bono, Sting, Giorgio Armani, and I'm on a cliff top overlooking the whole French Riviera at, at the edge of her infinity pool. I mean, I thought, how good is this? You know, and they just thought I was fantastic. I still send Tina uh, CDs of, of, like my, of my stand-up. She just absolutely loves it. I mean, I had that show in New York. That was amazing. That was, uh, you know, four nights a week live across America. I've, um, oh, mate, I've done any number of big, big event gigs from, from Olympics to Grand Prix to, to you know, major sporting, political, uh, um, corporate events. So, oh, mate, I've had a lot of highlights. Do you ever get nervous? Um, I 
wouldn't say nervous. I get, I get anxious, you know, and I, I get that sort of I don't want to do a bad gig kind of anxiety. You know, I, I, it's not a fear. It's 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 a, a, it's a do a good job anxiety. Ex- ex- you need excitement, that. excitement, almost. <laughs> Absolutely excitement. I, I think if it, you know, if you can't walk on stage after a, after a two hours sleep, mate, and expect to sort of be firing. You know, you've got to be um, you've got to be on the ball. You've got to be um, revved up. You've got to have the you know you've got to have the, the fibers switching, mate. You need to, you need motivation. Mm. Mm. Your number one uh, career goal now. What are you doing about it? Mate, my number one career goal, that's a difficult question for me because um, sometimes I think to myself, gee, I'd be pretty happy if things just keep going the way they are. <laughs> um, but you, you, you've got to have goals. Look, I, I would like to um, – I'm a big documentary lover. Mm. I'd like to sort of do something interesting in a documentary vein, you know, not – not, not have a TV show as sort of, you know, a hi, I'm Vince Sorrenti and here's how funny I am and these are my guests, but I'd love to sh- show some of my interests in a docker. I'd love to do some docos. I'd like, I, you know, I, I'm, I love cosmology. I love um, medieval history. I love food. Mm. <laughs> I've got a few weird interests. I'd, I'd if, love to. If you could combine those three. You could, yeah, you, like an, a, a medieval pig <laughs> out looking at the stars, you know. Just, the galactic <laughs> cooking show. With it's me. like the, uh, the Super Sizes Go TV series, actually. They sort of do that. Cooking, yeah. cooking with <laughs> King Arthur and Merlin. <laughs> <laughs> this week we visit the Crusades. <laughs> with a microwave. And <laughs> So you mentioned yeah, you mentioned with the writing of the film, and I mean that's a big thing. There's a lot of people sitting at home, and and I myself put on the hat where you know, like, oh, I'd love to be an author, I'd love to be a movie writer, and so on. And you know that that there was some some hurt attached to that experience, oh, mate. If you want to be torn apart creatively, write a movie. Yeah, yeah. It's, seriously, it's like being held up against a wall and just. Given it to, I'm telling you, it's um. If you want if you want creative control, mate, write a book. I'm Got telling you. Yep. Once once you uh, once you pen a, a screenplay, everyone is into you from every angle, and uh, I, I don't think there's a screenwriter in the world, no matter how famous or how uh, well credentialed they are, that can get his or her initial ideas onto the page onto the screen. It's it's impossible. Vince, you mentioned I mean, you've you've uh, provided some some really powerful insights into comedy, and I have to say that some of the things you said, you know, like uh, like people not caring about what you've done when you're there, they want well, to know. They don't care, man. And, and and you know, having to, to really the importance of loving comedy um, to be able to do it because of the loneliness and, and the hurt, you know, the importance of being engaging in other things in life, but. What would you say would be the golden nugget that you would leave or have for people that are starting out in the industry? <clears throat> the golden nugget. I think you've just got to love it. I think you, you've got to want to be funny. You've got to want. You've got to. You've got to really get something out of people laughing at you. You know, you've got to. Uh, not everyone reacts that positively to that. Or, or I mean, I, thought, I think everyone likes. Being funny, I think even the most boring CEO in the world, you know, if he's making his speech or he or she's saying something on stage, likes to sort of have some some good feedback from the audience like that. But I think a real comic gets something more out of that, like really, like that's something that's that's an energy 
that us comics play. Like, I'm not playing a guitar, mate. I am playing the energy that you are giving me, which is why it's so difficult to be funny mm. when that energy is not forthcoming. Like, mm. if you're talking to a room that's really sort of dull or people aren't giving you anything to res- by way of response, it is almost impossible to be funny. You know, you've got, you've got to mould something. You know, you can't, you can't pull it out of, the, out of your bum, mate. It's got to, it, it, you need some feedback. So I'll give you a scenario. You've been engaged to do an awards night. Uh, you, you rock in and you find out that one third of the company was laid off the day before. Oh, yeah. And, and, and you've got to try and give everyone a giggle. How do you cope with that sort of situation? Um, well, mate, try and empathise with them. You yep. know, some sometimes your darkest moments can be filled with the with the most powerful light. Is oh, that is, is that the elephant in your lance? You just put it out uh, straight absolutely. away. Absolutely. Oh, you've got to go straight there, mate. Otherwise, you're um, uh, otherwise they're forever thinking about it. You know, you've got to you've got to kill that immediately so we can move on from it. Because otherwise, it'll always be there. As maybe that's what he's going to say next, or maybe mm. that's when I can be sad. No, let's deal with it and then get on with it. Mm. And look, it's the same with me. Like if I've had a really bad day, and mate, like not you know you don't wake up every day slapping your knee and thinking how funny you are and how wonderful <laughs> life is. You know? <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank goodness I'm Vince. <laughs> you know, it's, um, some some you know sometimes you go on stage when you are feeling absolutely crap, mate, and you've had some deep deep crap going on in your life, and you are not happy, yep. and you do not feel good, and you are not smiling at the world. And I'll tell you what, mate, that's when you do your best show. I'm telling you, that's when you really are on fire because you are taking it out. You are making it out with the crowd. It's, it's, a, it's a powerful feeling. It's a great force. It's a cathartic experience. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, 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 if comedy was a form of therapy, mate, it would cure a lot of people of a lot of ailments. It's, seriously. <laughs> it I, actually I, does. Yeah. <laughs> Laughter therapy, it's important. It's great personal therapy, mate. Get on stage and make people laugh and let it all hang out, mate. Let it out. Yeah, yeah. Look, Vince, uh, that's about all we've got time for for this episode. Thank you so much for oh, coming good, on the show. Yeah. It's it's been pleasure. it's great been pleasure. awesome talking to you. And Absolutely. Um, um, thanks so much to all of you at home in the car or wherever you are. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you visit careersunplugged.com or Facebook. Leave your comments and of course give this episode a five star rating on iTunes. Do it for Vince. This has been Careers Unplugged with Rich and Stu. We'll see you again soon. Careers Unplugged, proudly sponsored by the Master of Me coaching program, helping you succeed in life, career, and business. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.